Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If I hadn't had the opportunity to meet you, uh, my name is Joe Little. I'm the youth pastor here at Mission Church. Uh, super excited to uh, bring the word tonight to get to preach. Anytime I get to preach, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. Just super thankful. Um, our pastors, Tyler and Rachel Johnson, are on what we call sabbatical. Uh, which pretty much means that they take some time away in order to pray, uh, in order to really just get some vision, to really hear from God for this next season of our church. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we uh, serve pastors that are not just trying to run well for a year, but they're trying to run well for the rest of their lives. Uh, and that's what it takes, is it takes time to rest and it takes time to really hear from God. So uh, over the next few weeks, I'm excited. We get to hear from people uh, in our church. We get to hear from people who serve on our team people who are faithful members of our church. Uh, and I'm excited I get to start it off on this 4th of July weekend. Who's excited for the 4th of July? Can we make some noise? So excited, it's 4th of July weekend. Thank you for coming to church on 4th of July weekend. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if it's theologically correct, but your mansion in heaven got bigger tonight. It did. You got a pool, you got a jacuzzi, uh, you're locked in. If you're watching online, uh, you're watching online before the barbecue. That's faithfulness. We're proud. We're so proud. Uh, tonight, well, before I even uh, talk about what I want to get into tonight, I would be crazy to not at least talk a little bit about our youth ministry. Uh, super thankful for all of our leaders and all of the people who serve uh, our students and our youth ministry. We can give it up for our leaders. So thankful for our youth ministry. Over this summer, we've been able to do such amazing things. We've went to Heather Farms and we've played basketball. We just recently had a pool party and uh, in two weeks, I would love your prayers. Uh, we are taking a few of our students to Lake Tahoe for our first ever summer retreat. Uh, it's gonna be amazing. Um, registration's maxed out. It was awesome. We were so thankful that uh, students were ready to go to Tahoe with us. It's super fun. And be honestly, because of your generosity, because of the generosity of our church, uh, there was not one student that was unable to go to camp because of finances. Um, so can we even give it up for that? So thankful for our church and how our church partners so that uh, the younger generation of students can come to know Jesus. I believe salvations are going to happen at that trip, that we're going to have a ton of fun, that students are going to do things that are going to be sealed in heaven uh, that weekend. So thank you for your generosity. Uh, and if you aren't able to go on the trip, like I said, uh, we did have to max out registrations, but we have so many other things going on. Uh, so if you do want to come hang with us, if you're in middle school or high school, you can go to missionchurchca.com youth or just follow us on Instagram uh, and you'll be able to get all the information on how to hang out. Awesome. Uh, so tonight the title of my message is going to be called A Helping hand. It's going to be called a helping hand. Look to the person to your left and say, hey, uh, we all need a helping hand. Look to the other person and say, even you need a helping hand. Uh, I told this story to our youth students and uh, I'm going to tell it again tonight, but I was the kid growing up uh, that my role in the family, my role was to bring the groceries in the house. Uh, now, if you know me at all, you know I hate the grocery store. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, I said this last time I got the opportunity to preach, but you, those of you who like the grocery store, I don't fully understand you. Uh, the grocery store is not an event. It is not something cool. Like, oh, we're going to Target. Yeah, that's not a thing. Uh, so 
My mom basically said, if you're not gonna go to the store, if you're not gonna come to the store with me, well then I need you to at least help me with the groceries. And if you were the person who helped your family bring the groceries in the house, you know you will do anything. You will do whatever it takes. You'll do whatever it takes to not have to go back out to that car for a second trip. You understand, you will do whatever it takes. I was putting bags on my arms. I was putting bags around my feet. I was hopping into the house. I was doing whatever it took in order to avoid a second trip. And I wish that I could say that as I grew older and as I've matured, I'm now a husband. I'm now a grown man with a full-time job, benefits the whole nine yards, a gym membership. That's when you know you've really become grown. I wish I could say that I now have matured and now I don't mind going back to the car for a second trip, that I now do not use these same tactics, tactics but that would be a lie. Um, even now, my wife will text me because I don't like the grocery store. I stay home and play video games. It's what I do, I'm a youth pastor. Um, so I will stay home and she will send me a text. Hey, I'm on my way home. I need help with the groceries. And yes, I will still put bags on my arms. I will still put bags on my feet. I will hop up three flights of stairs, no matter what it takes in order to avoid going back for a second trip. And the reason why this is obviously something weird that I know this is something crazy is because obviously if I just asked for help or if I just went back for a second trip, it would be a lot easier. It would make a lot more sense. It would be a lot more probably efficient. I'm ashamed to say that we did uh, have some casualties in this moment. We might have lost a carton of milk or two. We, we might have had some dented cans of Pepsi. We might have all because I tried to do it on my own. And there's this phrase, it says, many hands make the workload light. And another way of even saying this is, if you wanna go fast, go by yourself, but if you wanna go far, go together. And what's interesting is that this is what Jesus in our story tonight is trying to teach. This is what Jesus is trying to get across because Jesus in our story tonight has kind of become a big deal. Jesus is at this point in his life to where he's known for ministry. He's known for healing. He's known people are following him. He just preached the only recorded sermon that we have of Jesus, the full sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He just preached this amazing sermon. Everyone's following him. Everyone's looking at him. Everyone's, everyone, he has the blue check mark on Instagram. Jesus is an influencer. But Jesus is at this point to where by being fully God, he now has the authority. He now has the power. He now has the opportunity to heal everyone around him. But Jesus being fully man, didn't have the capacity to heal everyone around him. Now, don't get me wrong. I obviously believe that Jesus could have did the Thanos snap and healed everyone that was there in the moment. But what we end up seeing with Jesus time and time again is that he was always trying to bring people along for the ride. He was always trying to empower people. He was always trying to bring people along with him. And in our story tonight, Matthew 9, verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, pro proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray one more time before the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you 
that we aren't called to live life alone, that we aren't called to do things by our own, but we are called to live in community. Remind us of that tonight, God. Help us to feel like we're not alone, but that we actually have people running along with us, that we actually have people in the journey with us. And God, we even say a special prayer, God, for your Los Angeles Lakers. We thank you that they are your team and that we will come back next year stronger, better, faster, and uh, hopefully healthier. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Only about two amens, I understand. I'm in, I'm in warrior country, I get it. Um, I remember a time when I was in college and one of my friends who had just recently graduated had texted me and said, hey man, let's, let's go out to lunch. Now, if you have been or you know a college student, you know if you were in college, you're broke. You are. And if you're in college and you're not broke, well then that means your parents have money. That doesn't mean that you have money. You are still broke. You still need help. So I get this text and I'm like, all right, where are we gonna go? He texts me, hey, what are you feeling for lunch? So I said, Chick-fil-A. Now, Chick-fil-A is nice enough that you can sit down and have a meal, but it's also cheap enough that you won't break the bank when you go. So I say, let's go to Chick-fil-A. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be amazing. And I get there and he's sitting outside and we just start talking. We're, we're hanging out, we're catching up. Hey man, how you doing? And then all of a sudden I realize about 20 minutes has gone by and we haven't even like talked about eating food. And in my mind, I'm like, this is a little bit weird. Like my, I start thinking, this is weird that we haven't even tried to eat yet. And all of a sudden he starts telling me a little bit of his story the last month to where he tells me for the last month he's been living out of his car, that he um, lost his job, that he hasn't been able to pay for anything, that he literally had about 50 to $100 in his name. And my first thought was, man, that is crazy. I wish I could help. Like, this is, this is insane. I'm, I'm so sorry. And my second thought was, how are you gonna pay for lunch? Like, I can't afford to pay for you. Like, this is, this is gonna be interesting. So he continues talking and we get to the counter and he's like, all right, let's go get food, let's order. And in my mind, I'm like, I, I wanna pay for him, but I, I don't have that much money. Like, I'm a college student, what am I gonna do? And we get to the front and he begins to order and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to, you know, get water um, or a salad and just make up an excuse like, oh, I had a big breakfast. Um, Joe, it's three. It's like, what? Like, oh my gosh, like how big of a breakfast did you eat? I know, uh, I just, I'm not hungry. And he gets to the front and he orders. And then all of a sudden he looks back at me and he goes, oh yeah, and I'll cover his too. And I'm like, dude, like I don't wanna out him in front of the cashier, but it's like, bro, you just said you were broke. Like you have $50 to your name. This costs like 25. Chick-fil-A is a little expensive, but he says, no, 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 I, I got you. I'm gonna cover you. I, I got your back. And he looks at me and he says something that I'll honestly never forget. He said, I'll never let what I have keep me from being generous to the people around me. And yeah, we can clap for that. It was amazing. Safe to say he's doing better now. Uh, he has a job, all that stuff. But in that moment, it was interesting because the person who honestly I thought would have had the least potential to be generous decided that he was gonna do something. The person who honestly would have had the least potential to help, who would have had the least potential to do something, decided he wasn't gonna let, him hold, let that hold him back. And I think if I was to ask you, if I was to go down the line and ask each person in here, hey, do you want to make a difference in your community? Do you, do you wanna make a difference in the schools? Do you wanna make a difference in, in the city? Do you, want, do you wanna make a difference? I think the majority of us would probably say yes. I think if I was to ask you, do you, do you wanna make a difference? I think the majority of us, there might be a few, but the majority of us would probably say yes. 
But the interesting part about that is though, even though the majority of us would say, yes, I want to make a difference. I want to help people. There are actually very few of us who actually believe that we can. And what's interesting is that Jesus is at this point where he has noticed that there is need. He has seen need. Jesus had this ability to see need, but what he has also noticed is that there was nobody that was willing to help. So Jesus being the focused, being the purpose-driven person that he was, has seen need. He sees that there are people in need, but he also notices that there are people who are not willing to step up. And I think the reason why, if we're being completely honest, someone would see a need but not try to meet that need is because we just don't believe that we have enough to make a difference. Like, what is my time gonna do? What are, what are my resources gonna do? There's still gonna be hurting people anyway. There's still gonna be helpless people anyway. And what's interesting is that I think this is one of the main reasons why we could see that someone needs help and we could not help at all. That I maybe don't have enough education, that maybe I don't have enough resources, that I don't have enough of these things that are going on. And the first group of people, we're gonna talk about three groups of people that would have been in the room, three groups of people that would have been in this story. The first group of people would have been the spectators. There would have been some spectators in the room because when I see a need but feel like I can't meet that need, my first reaction is always gonna be to do nothing. When I see someone who maybe needs help or needs prayer or needs some advice, but I feel like I'm not spiritually in that place to help them out, my reaction is always gonna be to hold my tongue. When someone asks me, hey, are you willing to serve on a team? Are you willing to, to help out? But I feel like I don't have enough time to be committed. My first reaction is gonna be not to give any of the time that I do have. And I think that there were some spectators in the room. There were some spectators. There were people who were watching. I mean, there had to be because there's no way that Jesus sees a need so big, so massive, and so large that the Bible says that he was moved to compassion, which in this translation actually meant that he was sick to his stomach, actually meant that it physically hurt him to see all of these people in need. There is no way that Jesus saw this many people in need and nobody else did. But what probably happened, if I was to guess, would be that people saw these people in need and then looked at the resources that they had themselves and said, I can't help that person out. I have my own things going on. I can't, I can't give my resources to that. I'm, I'm struggling on my own. I can't give up my Saturday nights. Those, those are my only days off. I can't, I can't give up a Thursday night and join a group. I, I barely have enough time as it is. Can we take it even a little bit deeper to where maybe you do have the time, to where maybe we do have the opportunity, to where maybe we could move some things around, but we're just so tired. Oh, have you ever just been exhausted? Have you ever just been tired? I think if I could sum up the emotional state of the last year and how everyone is feeling in America, I think that it could be described as tired. I think that if I was to ask every single person, hey, how, have, how has the last year affected your emotional state? How, how has it been dealing with the pandemic? How has it been dealing with all of the conversations about social injustice? How has it been dealing with the election? I think we all can agree that we are so tired. And then when we get in this mindset to where we're thinking, okay, my resources, my time, my energy levels, the energy that I need, what happens is we have a bunch of people who are focused on mine and mine and what I need and what I have, and we have a bunch of needs that never get met. Because when I'm a spectator, yes, I might be able to stay comfortable, but I'll never make an impact. When I'm spectating, yes, I might be able to stay comfortable, Yes, I might keep my days off. Yes, I might keep my golf days, but I'll never make an impact. 
And what we see happen in this story is that these people are challenged with something that we're even challenged with today. We're challenged to look at our resources, no matter how small they might be, no matter how little they might be, and say, God, I will not hold on to what I have. I will not hold on to it tightly, but I'll release it to you. God, I may only have two Saturdays a month that I can serve, but I'm gonna give them to you. God, I might not even like kids. I don't even wanna serve in kids ministry, but I can move some things around. I can, I can set up and tear down. I can, I can plug in some wires because what will happen is you'll be able to see that marriages are being restored, that people are finding Jesus, that things are happening in people's lives because something special happens when a group of people say, I'm not gonna spectate. I'm not just gonna watch. I'm not gonna stand on the sidelines but I'm gonna do what God has called me to do. And going on, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And another group of people that would have been there, this, this isn't our second point, but there would have been some people there called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were a group of people who had dedicated their lives to serving God. They pretty much had dedicated their lives to, okay, I'm gonna dedicate everything that I have every single day to following God's law. To the point that they, if they saw a law and they felt, okay, well, this law doesn't really help me to, this, I feel like I'm not serving God enough with this law, they would even add on to it. So an example that this would be like, obviously this isn't in the Bible, but let's say that the Bible said, hey, you cannot wear white after Labor Day. Let's say the Bible said it. You can't wear white after Labor Day. The Pharisees would look at that law and say, God doesn't want us to wear white after Labor Day. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm not wearing white all year. And it's like, dude, okay. And then not only that, not only would they say, okay, I'm not wearing white all year. If they saw you wearing white before Labor Day, they'd say, oh, that person's not like God. That person, oh, that person wears white, even in February. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that. They even wanted to be seen above everyone else. So the way that they would do this is they wanted the best seats anytime that they walked into somewhere. So let's say I walk into your house and you're in the comfy spot. Like every house has one comfy spot. It doesn't matter how many sofas you have. It doesn't matter how many couches you have. You all have one comfy spot. You might have two, you might. You might have a couch with two L's, but maybe not. So let's say that you're in the comfy spot. You're in the L, you are on the couch. And I walk in and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, do you wear white during the year? You're gonna have to get up from that seat, sir. I, I, I don't wear white at all. They even would have people call them by special names. They would have them call them rabbi or teacher. So imagine you see me at Starbucks and you say, oh, look, hey, Joe, how are you doing? And I look at you, it's pastor. You'd be like, this weirdo, like, who is this guy? What is this guy, who does this guy think he is? And Jesus says a statement, he says, or this Bible, the Bible says a statement that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And the reason why this statement honestly jumped out to me is because there were shepherds there. The Pharisees were there. People were there. These people who had dedicated their lives to God were there. And yet despite the most spiritually disciplined people in the room being there, despite people who had dedicated their lives to Jesus being there, there was still a majority of people who were hurting, who were helpless, and who were in need. Because the Pharisees had a way of making it look like they were following God of making it look like they loved God's people without actually doing it. One of the worst things that you can do as a Christian is be so inward focused that you have no outward impact. 
One of the worst things we can do as a Christian is be able to recite the Bible, to be able to pray, to be able to quote the, quote the songs, sing, sing out the songs, to be able to do all of these things, go to church every day, and yet still talk bad about people behind their back. One of the worst things we can do as Christians is pray, God, God, help our city. God, God help our country. Our, our government needs help. And then not love our neighbor. And the second group of people that would have been in the room, point number two, the disengaged. There would have been some disengaged people in the room. There might not be anything worse than a disengaged Christian. There might not be anything worse than someone who claims to know Jesus, but is disengaged with their community. There might not be anything worse than a Christian who, who says, God, help out the people who are here. God, I'm, I'm praying for those people, but aren't helping them themselves. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus was to look at the Bay Area, if he was to look at the cities that we live in, would he say, wow, these people are hurting. They're like people who have no church around. Th those people are dealing with depression and anxiety. They're like people who have no shepherds. They're like people who have no one to take them out for coffee. They're like people who have no one to encourage them because the shepherds are there. The, the Christians are there. The, the people who are dedicating their life are there but they're not doing any shepherding. And my biggest fear for our community, I need you to hear my heart when I say this, my biggest fear is that because of the last year, we've been encouraged to be isolated. It's been, it's been safe to be isolated. It's been safe to, to be isolated and only hang out with your family. It's been safe to hang out with your friends. It's been safe, it's, it's been the thing to do. But my fear is that because of that reality and the nature of what has happened over the last year is that we now are apathetic to our community. That because we have been isolated, because it's been the safe thing to do, only hang out with your friends, only, only hang out with certain people, because that's been safe to, to protect people, to protect your family members, to protect the people that you work with. Because of that, my fear is that we have now become apathetic towards the people around us. To where now we don't respond to people in need with compassion like we used to. To where now we don't respond to people in need as if, okay, how can I help you? But we actually now respond as judge. We respond as jury. We respond as punisher when we're called to respond as shepherds. And if I can encourage you in any way, it's that we are not called to just look onto people and be disengaged with our community, but we actually are called to step into it. We're not called to just look out from the sides, but we actually called to be shepherds. We're called to walk with people. And something special happens in our community when people say, I'm not letting someone go through a hard time alone. If anyone's gonna go through a hard time, they're gonna have me right there. It's, it's not happening on my watch. I'm gonna encourage, I'm gonna love, and I'm gonna be with people, and I'm going to be a shepherd. And as I begin to close and invite the band up, the story comes to an end, and it says, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the, har ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I recently had an opportunity for the first time to go to Disneyland. I was so excited, it was amazing. I love Disney, if you know me at all, like my debit card may or may not have the Disney castle on it. Uh, I love Disney, I am a huge fan of Disney. I love it, I've been to Disney World, uh, but I've never been to Disneyland. So we go to Disneyland and I'm loving it. I mean, it's amazing, uh, it's even crazy because I thought, oh, there's no way Disneyland could be great. Disney World has four parks, Disneyland has two doesn't make, the math doesn't add up. But no, everything's in one park. It was amazing. The, there was limited capacity, which I think if you can go to Disney now, you're gonna get the best experience ever. The, we waited for like 30 minutes at the most. It was amazing. And we get to this 
part where we go to Marvel, like Marvel land, like Marvel world, the whole thing's set up like Marvel. And I'm a new uh, Marvel fan. Like I just started watching the Marvel movies last year during the pandemic. Um, and I may or may not have watched all 20 to 25 movies within three weeks. Uh, but we're not gonna talk about that tonight. So I'm a huge fan of Marvel. And all of a sudden I hear a kid yell out, look, it's Black Panther. And I'm like, oh shoot, I love Black Panther. This is amazing, like Wakanda forever. I love Black Panther. This is gonna be so amazing. And I look up and Black Panther's waving and it's so awesome and it's great. And then all of a sudden the Black Panther theme song like just blasts in everyone's ear. And I'm like, what's about to go down? This is about to be so cool. And I'm like, are they gonna reenact a scene? Like, are they gonna come out and talk to the crowd? Like, like what's happening? And all of a sudden the Black Panther like lead warrior comes out and she's banging the spear on the ground and she's doing like flips with it. And the Black Panther music's going crazy. And I'm like, this is insane. Like this might be the best day of my life other than my wedding, maybe. So, I, so I'm like, this is awesome. Like what's about to happen? I've seen things like this on YouTube. I've, I've seen things like this in the movies. I've never seen it in real life. And then all of a sudden Thor steps out and I almost pass out. I'm, I'm like excited, this is amazing. This is so much fun, I, I love this. And I'm like, what's about to happen? And Thor walks up to Black Panther and he gives him a high five and then the music shut off. And I was like, there's no way that's it. And then the security guards come out. All right, there's nothing to see here. Keep it moving, keep it moving. And I'm like, yeah, apparently there's nothing to see here. Insane. But the crowds were there. There were a ton of people there Everyone had their phones out. Everyone was freaking out. Everyone was screaming. Oh my gosh, what's about to happen? But then nobody had their life impacted. I mean, everyone was there. I, I bet if you went on a ride at that moment, you didn't even have to wait. There were so many people there, phones out, going crazy, but nobody got a moment that would change their life forever. And Jesus says this statement. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He says, the harvest is plentiful. The, the crowds are there. The, the people are there. There's people in need, there's, there's people who need help. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The, the people who are willing to, to take someone out for coffee are few. The people who are willing to sit down and listen to someone are few. The people who are willing to journey with someone are few. So he tells the disciples, he says, hey, when you pray, ask for workers. I know everyone else is asking you to ask for harvest. I know everyone else is asking you to ask for things that'll just, just affect you, but when you pray, ask for workers. And in the very next verse, the very next thing that happens, in Matthew chapter 10, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So Jesus tells them, hey, ask for workers. And then he makes them workers. Jesus say, hey, 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 ask for an answer. These, these people are in need. And then he makes them the answer because Jesus will never reveal a problem to us without also making us part of the solution. You see, a lot of us are really good at identifying problems, aren't we? A lot of us are really good at saying, oh, there's something wrong with, with those people over there. Hey, those, Jesus, those people are sick. Someone go help them. But what we end up finding out in our lives is that Jesus will never reveal a problem without also making me the solution. And there are some of us who were so good at identifying problems. We're praying, God, help the people at my job. God, they're, they're crazy. God, I, I might quit tomorrow. Send someone. And God's like, why would I send someone? You already work there. 
Some of us are praying, God, the Bay Area is going insane. Get out of California. I'll go to Texas. Never seen so many people move to Texas. I'll go to Texas. And God's like, why would I send someone to the Bay Area to help out? You, you already live there. And the last group of people that would have been there, the last group of people that would have been in, in attendance are the workers. You see, we had spectators, we had the disengaged, but then we had the workers. We had those who were locked in. We had those who were willing to make a difference. And at our church, we talk about revival a lot. We talk about making a big change in our community a lot. We talk about doing things where people would look at the Bay Area and say, I don't know about those people in the Bay Area, but they really love Jesus. I don't know what's going on in the Bay Area, but, but those people love Jesus over there. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. I don't, but there's revival happening in the Bay Area. But can I tell you that revival does not rely on the shoulders of one man. It doesn't rely on the shoulders of one church. It doesn't rely on the shoulders of one organization, but it happens when a group of people come together and say, I will not spectate. I will not be disengaged from my community, but I'm gonna be a worker. I'm not just gonna sit and watch people hurt. I'm not just gonna sit and people watch people suffer, but I'm gonna be a worker in my community. Having community might be one of the hardest things to do right now. If we're being completely honest, it might be one of the hardest things to achieve. But can I tell you, community might look different, but it's always worth it. Community might not look the same, but it always makes a difference. It might look like a Zoom meeting. It might look like an outdoor gathering. But what I'd want for our church, my prayer for our church is that we would not sit back and watch people suffer, that we would not say, oh, look, those people over there really need help, but we would instead step into the situation and be who God's called us to be. We're not called to spectate. We're not called to sit back and watch. We're not called to be disengaged to our community. We're not called to be so focused on ourselves that we don't make an outward impact, but we're called to be workers. Jesus empowered the disciples and he's empowering us. Jesus gave them the authority and he gives it to us as well. Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's pray before we end service. And before we go back into worship and sing, um, sing a song again that I feel like honestly was uh, just goes so well with our mess, we're gonna sing Build My Life. And I think that that's just perfect because we're talking about building something. We're talking about going forward. I'm not gonna live my life on my own, but God's love is gonna lead me to the people around me. But before we do that, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna give everyone an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you've never given Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which basically just means, God, I want you a part of my life. God, I, I want you to be a part of my life. I wanna give my life to you. And if that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, I, I just wanna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. We're not gonna ask you to say anything. We're not gonna ask you to do anything crazy, but I just wanna know who I'm praying for. So if that's you on the count of three, go ahead and raise your hand. One, two, three. That's awesome, amazing. I see your hands, you can go ahead and put your hands down. And the second question, you guys can open your eyes, but the second question I wanted to ask was that we just say, hey, I'm gonna be a worker. I'm not gonna sit on the sidelines anymore. It's not really a question as much as it is a challenge, but if you'll say that with me today, and you'll say that with me tonight. I just want you to raise your hand so that I can just know who I'm praying for. But if you're willing to say, no, I'm not gonna spectate, I'm not gonna stand on the sidelines, but I wanna be a worker and do all that God's called me to be, just go ahead and raise your hand with me. My hand's up too. God, I thank you that you haven't called us to just sit on the sidelines, that you haven't called us to just watch the game from afar, but that you've called us to be in the game. You've called us to be workers. You've called us to affect the people around us. So remind us of that.
Do what only you can do, God. I pray against the plan of the enemy to make us think that because we are isolated, other people don't matter. That because we might be dealing with the time where maybe we are quarantined, maybe we're stuck by ourselves. God, I pray that that doesn't mean that community doesn't matter. That just means we just have to work a little bit harder. So show us community, God. Show us small groups. Show us teams to serve on, God. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.